0: Fake, fake, fakety-fake.
1: Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienna, And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about fake refugees coming from Mexico through the U.S. to Canada with my friend Vienno.
2: Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's a long track. I don't know if it's worth it. You could probably get a plane ticket, like yeah it's probably what people are more likely to do you know but sure whatever
1: well i mean not only not worth it but i also think not in fact true
2: (laughs) yeah that too
1: (laughs) but things to look forward to in this episode
2: (laughs) i guess i was just saying like this is what the real people do not the made up ones yeah yeah
1: So, I mean, like, because you could interpret fake as being they're not legitimate refugees, or they're not even real. (laughs) They're ghost refugees.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's possible. I believe it. How are you, Vienno? I'm doing okay. Yeah. Uh, It didn't rain as much as it was supposed to today. I was kind of sad. It was supposed to be like 40 millimeters, and I wanted the city to drown, but you can't get what you want sometimes.
1: Yeah, I'm just, I'll be uh, putting up signs tonight, so I'm kind of glad that the thunderstorm warnings have kind of gone away, because I'll be handling large
2: metal rods and pounding Ooh. them into the ground.
1: <laughs> Jody
2: could have got cool lightning scars.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it cures some of my COVID uh, ailments, <laughs> maybe it counteracts that.
2: Your phone and would then, be supercharged, uh, like, and then rather than all I've problems mected, would be solved.
1: I'll be uh, promoting the lightning cure. <laughs>
2: Oh, that's a great one! Yeah. <laughs> if you just go outside wearing a suit of armor during a thunderstorm, you're you're safe from COVID.
1: <laughs> Try this new COVID cure; it's shocking.
2: <laughs> Stick a fork in an outlet; it'll cure your COVID. <laughs>
1: uh, but yes, everyone, uh, enjoy the
2: election. <laughs>
1: Uh, at least at least our ontario listeners probably everyone out of ontario probably doesn't know what i'm talking about but yes we have an election that's starting right now in ontario so uh you know if that signals to you to get informed uh, and you're listening to a political channel uh yeah get informed learn things and then maybe vote i'll leave that up to you that's your decision <laughs> I mean, voting is the least you could do, but, uh, you know, I I would say if you're not going to vote, at least uh, organize some sort of, uh, I don't know, local community mutual aid program or
2: something, you know? Yeah, like the options are some sort of um, act of ecological sabotage in the, like, industrial sabotage type of way, or vote. Take your pick. I'm good with either. (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> but if you want to learn about refugees, stay tuned for the rest of the show.
0: Hello my rebels. Hello my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm
2: a weirdo. Listen, that wasn't my best segue. <laughs> i was I wasn't going to mention it, but no it was it was definitely your worst
1: I was self- aware of how bad it was, but we needed to move that along <laughs> uh but yes, we are in fact covering the week of april twenty fifth to april twenty ninth and uh, not a lot happened. It was a very sort of like uh, uh dare I say uneventful week for rebel news. I think part of that is because, and we'll we'll get to some of it in a bit, but Ezra was gone for both Thursday and Friday, likely because of legal reasons. Usually when he's not on the show, it has something to do with the numerous lawsuits that they're involved in. However, I don't have access to, to which ones they are. Or if he just took... Maybe he just took a personal break. He just needed a couple of days off. I don't know. But uh, either way, for Thursday and Friday, uh, Friday Sheila gunn was the, the guest host, uh, I guess you would call it. Uh, so, so, yeah. And, and she's boring. We will get to some of her segments because there was some things that happened while she was hosting. It's just that... Uh, I get the feeling that Ezra was preoccupied, so we get we get a little light on the content this week. So we're going to start with the 25th, and the very first episode of the week is just Ezra is elated that Musk is going to buy Twitter. So that was the day where news dropped that it seemed like Twitter was going to accept the deal, and it was official. And you know, uh, Twitter was a buzz. Everyone was freaking out. People were leaving the platform. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. As it stands right now, I'm not even sure that it's going to happen. Uh, I don't know if, if you have a sense of that, Vieto, but I uh, read, reading certain things, people are like, he could be under various types of violations for certain things that he has done on Twitter uh, in terms of what the deal was. And so it might fall through, but... Uh, But I guess it's been put out there that he's bought it
2: and Twitter has agreed to accept it, but... Listen, nothing in life is certain. Yeah. (laughs) I think either way, it'll destroy Twitter. So I'm fine with it either way, you know? It's just kind of amazing how hyped they are about
1: something that, like, is still this kind of rocky. And it seems like it's all in service of, like, ha-ha, this will really trigger those liberals... If, like, Musk owns the platform. But I don't even, like, there's, like, one, it might not happen. And so they're, like, hyping themselves up for something that's inevitably going to collapse. And then they could play the game of, like, he was censored. They, like, stopped them or, like, whatever. But then the other end of it is, like, he's going to become the moderator now. And then, like, now he's going to take the brunt of everyone's complaints. Because there's no way, he he is going to have to wall off some aspects of content like he's not going to allow uh child exploitation images on twitter he's not going to allow uh terrorist propaganda on twitter (laughs) you know like so where he draws those lines are going to agitate some people and uh and yeah
2: now he's the moderator so he is the god king of twitter
1: and, of course, uh, so we moved. We move on for the interview segment is with this person named Alum Bakari. We've talked about him a few times on the show before. He's the tech writer for Breitbart News. And, again, nothing is said in this interview because it's it's basically like, Elon Musk is going to bring free speech back to Twitter. Free speech has come back, and isn't it wonderful? And on that's pretty much it. But just to remind people, Al- Alam Bakari, uh, he... Ghost wrote a piece for Milo Yiannopoulos that was to mainstream white nationalism with neo-reactionary uh, ideas to the public. And this was done back in like 2014. So again, this guy sucks, and uh, for anyone who thinks that like uh, Ezra, Ezra did enough to distance himself from 2017 when Faith Goldie went to Charlottesville and then went on a neo-Nazi podcast, uh, he hasn't. He still allows these people on his show constantly, who have these connections. So, there you have it. But now we get to Tuesday, because that's pretty much all to talk about on Monday. On April 26th, the whole opening segment of the show is completely boring, and I have nothing really to say about it, but I guess there was some report that leaked that the RCMP said they had enough to, like, convict Trudeau for fraud, but then they didn't go ahead with it because there's some... Situation in which he could have just, like, pardoned himself, basically. Pardon's the wrong term, but, like, he could have... Because it had something to do with a holiday he took and to what extent this would have been, like, improper given his position. But since he's the prime minister, he could have, like, waived it in some capacity as well. So the RCMP didn't pursue this, like, incident. But, of course, Ezra's like, now this means that we have legitimate information that Trudeau is, in fact, a criminal. And... (laughs) And, uh, Trudeau's
2: going to the Hague.
1: Yeah, I mean, the all, the worst he would have suffered from this anyways, even if they did go
2: through it with, I think is like a fine. Uh, <laughs> nope, he's going straight to the ICC.
1: <laughs> and, uh, and then
2: the U.S. is going to activate the Hague Invasion Act, and they're going to get our boy out of there.
1: Yeah, I, I just have no... I mean, like, the thing is, this is the kind of, like, politics shit that, like, annoys me, where it's like, sure, if you want to focus on this stuff, yeah, okay, like... the liberals are corrupt and do bad things with money and spend taxpayer monies on vacation and it's like are you telling me the conservatives don't do that tell me a political party that hasn't had a scandal like this at all tell me
2: the communists
1: (laughs) tell me a sitting communist member (laughs) Uh, but yes i just i don't care i mean like you know, the SNC-Lavalin stuff at least comes closer to, to being problematic in other ways. But, like, this is just like, okay, he improperly went on a vacation. Uh, I hate him more because he bought pipelines, okay? Like, <laughs> I already hate him. I don't need this to take me over the edge, okay?
2: Yeah. SNC-Lavalin at least had, like, more classic Canadian corruption elements where it was like, oh, Wow. We did a deal with a major corporation to like bankroll them in order to keep jobs and therefore get votes. And that's like boom. We've been doing that since Confederation, baby. Like (laughs) (laughs) even pre Confederation, that was That's why Canada exists as the Hudson Bay Company. (laughs) Like (laughs) it's just yeah, it just feels like such a baby
1: scandal. I mean, it's the same thing. It it kind of vaguely reminds me of like kind of what they did to like Lula da Silva or like in the sense that like what they tried to get so for those of you, you don't know, Lula was the uh leader of Brazil, president. Uh president, well, leader, president. I, I I couldn't remember if it was president or prime minister for a second there. I didn't want to state it, but thank you. Uh they they got him for uh going to i i was he purchased a house or something like this or an apartment and then it was done sort of like improperly or at least that's what they uh tried to get him on and then like The judges were corrupt and like other shit happened but it's the idea of just like haha we caught you doing something somewhat improper and then they like railroad you and get the judiciary to like turn on you and stuff like this so it's like I don't think that part of it is going to happen to Trudeau but it just feels like uh, the conservatives are going to try to get every little thing to try to be the thing that they get them on and it's like this to me is so low on the level of like shitty behavior that I don't care (laughs) Similar to Lula owning a house. I think Lula, you know, I actually think Lula was at least somewhat good compared to Trudeau. But, uh, yeah, I I don't care that he improperly purchased a house. That's probably like low, low level of, uh, scandal, you know? Yeah. So then we get to the immigration, uh, piece of this. And there's going to be two immigration stories this week. And it's kind of weird. I've, I don't know what it is, but I think it's like the the possible like not possibility, but like the midterms are going to eventually be coming up in America, and so because of that, the right wing is ramping up their anti-immigrant sort of pieces. So when I've tuned in to uh, some various like punditry shows and stuff like this, the right wing seems to really be hyping the anti-immigrant stuff recently, and I feel like. Ezra, with, like, again, he's busy, probably in court, is just like, I'm going to take those ideas and make them more Canadian-relevant and run with them. So that's why this week of all weeks, for whatever reason, we're talking about refugees and immigrants for some reason. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Especially in terms of, uh, think about it. Like, if, if we're going to talk about refugees, the first things that come to my mind would be something like, what are we still doing with Afghanistan? And then also, what about uh, Ukraine and the situation going on there, right? Those to me seem to be at least in terms of like uh, attention grabbing stuff right on the the top of my mind in terms of like
2: refugee stories. But not once mm-hmm. do either of those issues come up in this story. <laughs> the other one, like in our hemisphere, I would especially look at like Haiti. From a, like, especially from a Canadian context too, does that come up? That does, in fact, come up uh, okay. briefly, but we will we will get to it right here. So, we are
1: we are in fact in the Canadian context. Of course, if Ezra's going to talk about uh, immigration that he doesn't like, he's going to bring up Roxham Road. We've talked about Roxham Road before on the podcast. It's Ezra's go to example of like bad things that are happening in terms of immigration. So, for any new listeners, we might have I, I will fill you in on what this is there is this border crossing. Oh, it's not quite a border crossing. There is a spot on the border where a road in New York called Roxham Road ends at a dead end. And then there's like a little culvert (laughs) and then you're now in Canada, okay? And what has happened is there was this agreement that passed a while ago called the Safe Third Country Agreement uh, or Safe First Country Agreement, sorry. And so what that means is that say you're a Haitian refugee, and you leave Haiti and the closest you leave by boat. So if you leave Haiti by boat, one of the closest countries you go to is America. You land in America. OK, but then you don't want to stay in America because say you have relatives in Canada or wherever. Right. So then you want to get to Canada. But the problem is because of this agreement that Canada America had, uh It's called the Safe First Country Agreement, which means the first country that a refugee arrives in is the country that has to deal with that refugee. The refugee then can't go to a second country. Now, that implies that America is a safe country, right? So it's the first safe country. But for a lot of refugees, America is in fact not safe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, so they, I mean, I'm laughing about it, but it's like, it's such an absurd sort of like metric. So of course, a lot of refugees want to get into Canada, but they can't do it through a normal border crossing. They have to go to Roxham Road, cross through the little culvert, and then they get to be processed by our government. Because if, if someone manages to quote unquote, illegally cross into our country, we have to process them. But if they were Mm -hmm. go to, to say a border entry, they would just turn them away. Uh, And so this is like, it's so stupid. Roxham Road is this loophole for refugees who are desperate. It doesn't need to be this way. But because both of our countries are stupid, this is the situation we're in. Uh, (laughs) And of course, because of that, Ezra likes to hype it as look at all this illegal immigration that's happening.
2: I've been reading like a little bit more about what's going on with the refugees in like Belarus and Poland. And that was like a big news story like a few months ago um and the big thing is like yeah it's very similar like the EU has those laws as well so the first country that you are processed in is like the country that then gets to decide your fate within the like immigration context so generally refugees going from Belarus will try to get through Poland without being processed so that they can get to Germany and their laws are a lot more like you know in a, in a similar way to Canada where it's like You know, they obviously encourage Poland to have those policies because they don't want to deal with it at the end of the day. Yeah, just like we kind of like let have the third safe country agreement with the US where it's like, this cancels out a lot of that for us. And it's, you know, the conditions that these people are going through, just like for the chance of a safe life. And it's and then, you know, in with the EU as well. They have immigration facilities, like detention facilities in Ukraine, that are still currently having refugees in them that were to be deported and can't are just like locked up in the middle of the war. Like you know, the guards will leave when a, a bomb siren goes, and Jeez. you know, good luck to the refugees that they that Fortress Europe is still sending them. And very similarly here, like you know, we have detention facilities in like montreal on an island in the middle of like the river (laughs) of the gulf of saint lawrence that is just a giant like prison for migrants that or um they are entered into the um they're entered into the provincial prison systems so they're basically just like thrown into these prisons and then because they don't have citizenship or anything like that they legally can't be like housed with other prisoners and it's like a weird like situation legality thing there and so they're basically put into like their own little sequestered like small rooms or in isolation for the entirety of the like decision making process while they're detained and sometimes that's years
1: and isn't that depending on certain types of context because like especially for like refugees that say don't have like family members and stuff like this because i think like part of what they do also to free up spaces in these facilities is like if you're a refugee claimant who's gone through Roxham road to get here they'll they will let you go and like that's another let you go stay with say like family members that you have and stuff like this uh and of course that's one of the things that the right wing can't stand because they're like oh my god they let them walk free in our country or whatever but like most of the evidence shows that these uh uh individuals who've come here report to the the proper legal authorities especially when they're asked to for to 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 make sure that all the things are getting processed because they want to stay here, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, when they get declined, uh, we do end up sending them away. So it's I mean, like I actually think that that's bad. But like the fact of the matter is, it's not like these people are somehow like disappearing within the system or like whatever nefarious thing that the right wing wants to say. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's because like it, and here's the thing: is in the grand scheme of thing, it's not a there's not a ton of people coming in this way. I think since 2017, it was roughly like 60,000 people have crossed that uh, border into Canada, Uh, which is like a decent chunk, but like over that many years is really like nothing like five years. That's like really insignificant.
2: Uh, Yeah. Like compared to the number of like refugees and immigrants that we take kind of just all the time too. And There was also recently, like, stuff put out about uh, how—it was in CBC—about, like, how even if we, like, rapidly increase the amount of immigrants that we take in, Canada's population is still going to be (laughs) aging and declining just because of, like, how our demographics work. So it's like, why would we not want more people to, you know, keep the country inhabited? (laughs) Like— you you know why uh,
1: Vieto it's because yeah. they're not white and that's uh, usually what what angers them I have mean, they l- turned on Ukrainians yet uh, I wonder yeah but they're not coming across rocks and roads so they would be counted yeah. in different statistics <laughs> uh, but yes well I actually I, I'll post I have a, a an ethnic based question that I'll post to you in a second but we'll, we'll get to Ezra's uh, coverage of this anyway so Ezra seems to immediately fixate on the fact that these the police just let the people walk across the border. So like how this happens is like, you know, the people would take a the refugees will take a taxi to the sort of like cul-de-sac right before the border, and then they'll be let out, and then the police will stop them, and say if you step foot onto our soil, we will detain you, and they like give them a spiel, and then of course, uh. And so they're like, do you understand? And of course they'll say, we understand or whatever, and then they'll walk across the border and then they'll be detained. And Ezra's just like, we let them. We let them walk across. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, how would you facilitate that that doesn't happen? Like it's almost as if cuz Ezra never spells it out, but if you really want to force them not to walk across that border, what you're suggesting is like what? Pushing them or like shoving them or like Shooting them, like, wh- like, what is what does Ezra want them to do? Just massacre families at Rockham Road? Like, I don't.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that or send them on a plane, and just like send them to some random other country, which is what the UK is doing now. Because it's almost like he objects to the fact that we're processing them at all, even
1: though like I would argue the way we process them kind of sucks, and it like takes forever. It it uh. You know, some of them succeed and get to stay here, but it's like a lot of people don't. And like it's it's shitty. But like and and we shouldn't have this agreement in the first place so that they could actually be properly processed in other ways. Like, everything sucks about this system, you know?
2: Yeah. But no, he like
1: really... wants them to put like the police to just like judo chop them as they cross the border and then throw them back into the United States. Like, I don't know. Because what else could he mean? He doesn't specify. He's just like the police yeah. shouldn't let them in. They should build a wall. The other thing that he complains about is that he's like 60% of them are not vaccinated. And yes, if they're coming from a place that is usually under duress, they don't have vaccine supplies. And so they will be arriving unvaccinated. But like, they they hey, they're entering a country where now they might be able to get that vaccine. There's like, <laughs> so many things that like that and it's like. I guess his, like, argue, his his main contention is that he's like, I I can't even fly around our country because I'm not allowed on a plane because I'm not vaccinated and he's being all huffy about it. And it's like, okay, but you're not a refugee being processed at a refugee station. It's not like everyone who immediately steps foot in this country, we've like scanned their brain and know that they're vaccinated
2: or some shit, you know? If Ezra wants to cross the border... He can sneak across Roxham Road the other way. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) that is funny
1: because that is a theme in both of the clips I'm going to play for this episode. Is Ezra always ends it with like referring to the fact of like, why aren't we crossing to go to America? (laughs) Isn't there a freedom loving person among us who's going to make the trek in the opposite direction?
2: Uh, <laughs> I can't wait until right-wingers in this country start claiming political asylum in the U.S. <laughs> uh,
1: so, yes, I'll I'll play the first clip. The, the main, this one, it does go kind of like all over the place. But the main thrust of this one is that he claims that refugees are just wanting to get in here for all of our free stuff. Uh, but he does talk about the fact of like, maybe we should try it the other way.
0: I have not uh, been able to le- leave our country. In fact, I have not left the country since before the pandemic. Now, I don't think I would be allowed to. Certainly not by plane or train. It just—it's it, such a egregious fact that this illegal border crossing, where I mean, it was just—if you take one more step, I'll arrest you. But they knew that that arrest would be the beginning of a life of free stuff. I mean, they're—they're they're coached. They know exactly what they're doing. I wonder. I wonder if. A a real refugee could go the other way. I wonder if a vaccine refugee who doesn't want to be fired from their job, who doesn't want to be demonized by Justin Trudeau, who doesn't want to be treated poorly, can cross over into the American side at Roxham Road and can be told by American police, you'll be arrested and say, I want asylum. I wonder if any Canadian would ever go the other direction because they want to live in a freer country than Canada.
1: So,
2: <laughs> Try.
1: Yeah, go for go it. For I,
2: it.
1: <laughs> I don't care. Have fun. Have fun. Leave. See ya. Bye-bye. <laughs> it's just like, it's also the implication that somehow these people are coming and getting free stuff. And it's like, what free stuff? Okay, like, they'll get, is the free stuff that stays in the like prison facilities that you're talking about? That's the free stuff? Or like, uh you know, they they might get free quasi-legal help to deal with the, the refugee status. And I say quasi because, like, it's not that great. Uh,
2: Jody, if they're here for long enough to get permanent residency, then they'll get maybe OHIP. So, yeah, checkmate but if, liberals. If
1: they stay here long enough for that, they've paid a lot of taxes by then.
2: <laughs> Jody, I already said checkmate.
1: Yeah! That's, I mean, that's the silly thing. It's like a lot of these people, like, they pay taxes. It's not like refugees stay here and then they're not paying any taxes whatsoever. So it's like, okay, actually, cool.
2: Actually, no. They they go to the cash register and they're like, actually, I'm tax-free. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the cashier say, oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll remove that for you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Just, it's, everything about that is stupid. But then Ezra wants to, so now we start getting into the Haiti stuff, but... Ezra's going to describe the situation in Haiti, and then go on to describe it as being fake refugees, and this—it's just so disgusting and gross. But uh, th- that's what we do on our show. We listen to Ezra say disgusting and gross things. So here we go.
0: There was a temporary permission for people from Haiti uh, to stay in the United States. I'm not. There was a natural disaster in Haiti, and so. Mm-hmm haitians were allowed to overstay the normal time limit in america but as that's coming to an end um they either have to go back to haiti which is not a particularly nice place economically it's still a a wrecked disaster it's not particularly free there's lots of violence there political violence um you can stay in america but you might be deported why not come to canada Go to Montreal, where there's a Haitian community, and I just think that we're we're being suckers. We're suckers to these people who are fake refugees. We're also suckers to the United States. We're taking thousands of people off of their plate, and that's why I think that's why the American cops don't mind one bit if these people want to self-deport, they can. Right. I don't know. We'll have to see. I wonder if there's a Canadian who would go the other direction, and would. Um, <laughs> I mean, it looks like there's not a bunch of cops waiting on the other side, although you said some police yeah. came quickly when you looked around the corner.
1: <laughs> it's the fact that he every single sentence, he's like, we should do it. We should do it. We should go to America. Yeah, see ya. See ya. He just How wants about?
2: to so bad. He wants to go on vacation. <laughs> uh. Uh- genuinely amazing like he just describes like oh yeah this is how they're refugees and it's like these fake refugees immediately after like no like no pause no nothing just like full explanation of how they are refugees in many different ways and then immediately they're fake like Yeah, yeah
1: the most charitable explanation is he thinks they're fake because they're fake refugees to Canada because of this like the first safe country agreement but then yeah. like I, I mean like think about it why i mean you tell me vienna why would haitians want to come to canada
2: especially uh you know montreal oh gee i wonder what language they speak in <laughs> Haiti. but it's not french
1: <laughs> so it's like okay w- w- there's a sense in which there's a uh, linguistic reason for why they might prefer Canada over the U.S., and they're stuck in this really terrible position because they're forced to stay where their like boat landed when they were escaping the terrible situation that he described, you know. But they mm-hmm. want to go to a community that they can like integrate more easily into because they speak the same language, like, and their families are probably already there because there's a huge uh, Haitian community because of the linguistic thing in Quebec. So like, (laughs) it's so, it's so frustrating. And then to call them fake refugees because of that. Yeah. So I I was going to ask you uh, the ethnic question. So I am curious, Well, like what you think are the, I know it, it sounds weird me asking that, but like, what are the top three places where, where people are coming from when they, are there places of origin before they cross over Roxham road?
2: Guatemala, El Salvador, uh, Afghanistan. So, here's uh, the top three places of
1: origin. Yeah. So, uh, number one is Nigeria. Okay. Number two is Haiti. Okay. And number three is the United States.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. That surprised me.
1: I... <laughs> Uh, so they're they're not even people like I don't even I I wanted to do more investigations of that because they don't even they could just if they were seeking refugee status they could just go the normal route so what's likely happening there is there are people who have American citizenship who say uh say they are Haitian and their Haitian relatives flee Haiti end up in America and they go with their Haitian relatives to Canada through the Roxham border but they are already american citizens you know what i mean mm-hmm. there's some of that happening but otherwise i'm just like it, it's weird that that's the third largest portion of the population is uh, american citizens
2: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah something <laughs> something to look into i i, I don't you know i haven't researched this fully but that fact alone just was like whoa, that's uh that's fascinating but uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I tried to guess yeah. countries that like I I thought it was a trick question type of thing and it kind it was. of was yeah. still. But it was just kind of a, like wow, that's not. We well,
1: we'll, we'll get to it when it gets to Sheila because the funny you you named a lot of like south uh South American countries, but yeah. uh there's not a lot of people from South America that are coming at least through Roxham Road to get into Canada. Uh I mean and part of that that might also
2: be a linguistic thing exactly too right like yeah like there's a huge spanish-speaking population in the u.s and yeah like canada did have like a lot of active refugee programs for latin americans prior but it's still like way bigger in the u.s
1: so uh so fascinating but again it's just it's random fear-mongering over refugees and immigrants uh, and and why? Why right now? Why is this the thing they're talking about?
2: I mean, and the other question, of course, is, hmm, those demographics. Yep. <laughs> Coming from overwhelmingly black-majority countries. Yep. Hmm. Wonder what might be at play with hating them. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> uh, that's going to—so
1: that's actually going to come out— uh, uh on the wednesday episode which we'll go to right next so on wednesday Ezra wants to talk about media coverage of covid for some reason and i just it's it's just you know same old bullshit so there's not a ton to get into here the only things i wanted to hit on was in light of our conversation in our last episode we were talking about uh, i ended the show talking about how ezra seems to hate the national post and yet always has like national post writers on a show and he sort of acknowledges it here so i guess he's going to criticize the national post article but then he's like uh, again calls the national post like they're bailout media funded they're like corrupted by the influence of trudeau uh, but then he also wants to stipulate that he still likes Rex Murphy and Rupa, although he does not mention Barbara Kay. So I don't know if, like, Barbara Kay is retired from the National Post or he just forgot her. But, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yes, so those are the only two writers for the National Post that Ezra still appreciates. However, he does bring up this one incident where the National Post, I guess, like, part of the writing staff put out a letter criticizing Rex Murphy for one of the stupid things that he said over the years and like told or, or were asking for the company to fire him. And so mm. Ezra is going to respond to that.
0: Well, let me show you some pandemic disinformation I saw today. In all places, I saw it in the, in the National Post, that so-called conservative newspaper founded, I don't know, 24 years ago by Conrad Black. I remember those early days. The newspaper stood for something. I worked there for a few years. But today, other than Rex Murphy and Conrad Black himself and Rupa Subramania's weekly column, it's pretty much indistinguishable from the Globe and Mail, sometimes even from the Toronto Star. I blame some terrible hiring decisions over the past decade there. <laughs> I don't remember this. Remember when literally a majority of the staff of the National Post signed some whiny, woke letter calling for Rex Murphy to be fired because he said Canada is not a systemically racist country all those journalists who called for him to be fired they should have been fired frankly none of them believes in freedom of speech none of them had any loyalty to their company or their company's star writer none of them can hold a candle to rex murphy in terms of writing or thinking so so gross
1: i wanted to play that only to highlight how this is a similar thing we're hearing with all this like complaints about woke stuff especially in light of what's happening with disney in florida right now and their don't say gay bill is this idea that like Ezra's saying that these people who exhibited their free speech in calling for this other person to be fired that they should be fired because they don't believe in free speech and Ezra wants to fire them
2: because of their speech but he's the one protecting free speech (laughs) Jody you're only allowed to have free speech individually you can't team up with others (laughs) then it's not free that it's collective speech.
1: It's communist speech. Yeah, exactly. Communist speech at the National Post. <laughs> it's it's just, it's so silly. Like, at the end of the day, what, what people have to realize, and when I'm t- like, I realize that most people listening to this show are already on board with this, but I wish the broader public would appreciate this, which is that the conservatives just want power. That's all they want. They don't care about consistency. They don't care about what actual free speech means or any of that shit. They just want power. And they're just going to say, fire these people, even though it clearly contradicts the immediate thing that he says. Uh, Because he doesn't want them to be there because he wants power. And that's it. But Ezra then discusses the misinformation article that he's talking about. And it's in the National Post. And it's about COVID. It's just a list of myths. I only want to touch on one of the myths that the... So the, the article is written such that they say, here is a myth that a lot of people believe. And then the article is going to go on to debunk it, right? So the first myth is the one Ezra immediately takes issue with.
0: Well, here's the story that the National Post ran. I can't believe it. One in eight Canadians believes a vaccine myths a survey it reveals. Okay, and then the sub headline called the deck in newspaper lingo, the most widely held myth was researchers rushed the development of the COVID-19 vaccine so its effectiveness and safety cannot be trusted. Well, well, hang on, hang on, hang on right there. It, it was rushed on, on purpose. We, we all know that. It was literally called Operation Warp Speed. Remember that? Vaccines are never made in a year. They're tested for years. So so that's not a myth. They're not being done tested yet. They got five more years to test. They would just rush for emergency use. So that
1: that's not a myth. The thing, the immediate thing that's ridiculous about this is Operation Warp Speed was coined by Donald Trump, not the scientists. So his his, <laughs> the person that he supports and wants to be president again is the one who came up with that name. To the protests of the scientists who were like, don't name it that for the very reason that he's now using it <laughs> to discredit the fucking vaccine. Because <laughs> and the, you could go back. I mean, even just click the Wikipedia article. There's tons of articles linked where scientists immediately when Donald Trump named it Operation Warp Speed were like, maybe we shouldn't name it this because it gives the like idea that we're rushing this when we're not. And you're going to confuse a lot of people. And he's like, I don't care. And then he went ahead with it. That's a good one. That was like a good like an impression. <laughs> and now we got, uh, now we got Ezra using the fact that he used that fucking name.
2: <laughs> it's it's frustrating. It's Ezra coming out against Trump. He's too left wing now.
1: But of course, he like he wouldn't name that right. Like nowhere does he mention the fact that Trump actually came up with that name or any of that shit, right? But it's also, I just want to reiterate, they were not rushed. The one thing that they did do to, to shorten the time span of the testing was they had two overlapping procedures. So rather than running them sequentially, they did them all at once so that they they cut the time down. So, for example, you run animal tests and then you run human tests. They ran the animal and human tests at the same time because they were given the... Uh, ability to do so with the emergency measures that were put through. Okay, so that that means the vaccine went through the same number of trials, etc. The only difference is that they did it in a more condensed time frame, uh, where they ran multiple things at once, and that's why they were able to do it a bit faster. And that's it. <laughs> Otherwise, they have the same amount of testing as every other vaccine. Sounds sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's called Operation Warp Speed after all. Exactly. So that was that was the first half. It ends with more anti-vaccine shit, and like I really don't care. But it, like at least him utilizing Operation Warp Speed like that, I, I had to at least address. Otherwise, we've heard the COVID denialism shit endlessly throughout this whole pandemic, so I don't care about the rest. So then we get to an interesting thing, but I'm surprised I didn't have much to say about it. We had the guest for the Wednesday show was Maxime Bernier of the People's Party of Canada. And the weird thing about this episode is Ezra comes in strong going... Uh, That time when Maxime was arrested in Manitoba, the charges are now dropped, and Maxime's on the show to talk about the fact that when he was shoved into that police car, uh, it was all wrong, and the police were wrong when they dropped the charges, okay? And then Maxime comes on and immediately goes, "Uh, no, it wasn't that time. I'm still going to court for that one. (laughs)
2: Oh my God. <laughs> uh,
1: that court case is going to be in September. The charges that got dropped were apparently the ones uh, during the on election day, his campaign staff were not wearing masks a- a- and himself at their like PPC uh, event held during the ele- or, like on election day, election night. you know, as the results come in, they were partying or whatever, and they weren't wearing masks. That charge has been dropped. Uh, (laughs) but uh yeah so cool and i don't know why it was dropped they're not too clear and i couldn't find any information like searching for it it could have just been like a technicality thing or uh, even in terms of uh, the courts right now are pretty clogged up uh, uh and delayed for various reasons due to covid so it could just be a thing where they're like this is a couple bucks it's not worth our time we're just gonna let this one go that's a possibility but he's still going to be in court in September, so have fun with that. <laughs> uh, although, uh, Bernier's excuse, I should say this, Bernier's excuse for them not taking him to court for this case is because he's like, if they took us to course, they would have had to show that masks actually don't work, and then they would have ruined their whole like illusion that masks are effective, so that's why they dropped the charges.
2: <laughs> oh my god. Uh,
1: <laughs> it's always a conspiracy theory. Yeah. I will end with this, though, because Ezra eventually asks Bernier about the other conservative leadership candidates. So Bernier used to be a part of the conservative party before he formed the PPC and even ran for the leadership of the conservative. And it was when he lost that he started forming the PPC. So Ezra asks him about Pierre and Bernier sort of like d- doesn't like the idea of Pierre. And I, th- I get the feeling by listening to Bernier's response that he feels like Pierre is trying to cut in on his game. Uh, In terms of being like the pro-freedom rally candidate type person. So there feels like there's a bit of jealousy for Bernier on that issue. But otherwise... And and he kind of assumes that Pierre is going to be the one who who wins the the leadership. At least Ezra and him both sort of seem to hold that position. But then Ezra asks him about Jean Charest and Patrick Brown. And his... I'm not... I'm going to... Play the clip, but I'm not going to get his answer on Jean Charest. It's kind of like milk toast, and he just says, like, he's a red Tory. He's uh, supported by a lot of Quebec people, but that's about it. And that's kind of, like, where he stands on that. But what he says about Patrick Brown was weird.
0: Can you give us a word about a couple of the other candidates? In particular, I'm curious what you have to say about Jean Charest. You may know him better than others. I mean, he's he was the Quebec premier for a while. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Charade? Do you think he has a chance? And do you have any thoughts on Patrick Brown? Uh, I think you served in Parliament overlapping with him. Do you have any thoughts on him as a person and as a candidate in the leadership?
1: Yeah, I don't believe that Patrick Brown will be able to win that leadership. That's my personal, uh, you know, Patrick is a good guy. I know him personally. But he's campaigning with the uh, ethnic communities and, uh, and you know, is not so visible uh, I believe that uh, he will do a good campaign. So that's when he moves on to start talking about Charey. So that is literally all he has to say about Patrick Brown. But notice and like, I get English isn't uh, <laughs> isn't Bridget's first language. But the the way that sentence reads is he's my friend, but he's campaigning with ethnic people.
2: <laughs> yeah. The dude who resigned from leadership of the provincial conservative party over sexual misconduct things with a minor could still be your friend, but the but where you draw the line? Yes.
1: <laughs> that he hangs around ethnic people. He's campaigning
2: with the ethnic community. Oh my god! Burn, yay! <laughs>
1: like I love there's gonna be people out there be like how dare you say Bernier's racist and like I don't know just play them this fucking (laughs) clip this is kind of all you have to do it's kind of like mask off there's no hiding it Uh, it's just fucking people like to play these games it's like the dude's racist I don't know what to tell
2: you Jody is French that's just how they are yeah (laughs) except for the cool French people that listen to this podcast yeah (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> gotta pander right piano <laughs> sure
2: there you go
1: there you
2: go not- <laughs> i think you're just implicitly excluded from the label of french if
1: oh so if but- <laughs> you
2: are not racist
1: <laughs> if you're not racist you're honorary yeah. not french okay
2: i think like same with like you know in some respects canadian english like whatever Thought you were gonna say the British, <laughs> that too. Whites, yeah, you know, yeah, like. And the thing is, you can't be excluded from them. So sucks to suck, I guess.
1: Fair, fair enough. But we get to uh, the Thursday show, which is uh, Sheila. Sheila is guest hosting, and Sheila is boring. She is so boring. Uh, and so I, you know, I don't really care. I heard she starts off uh, the first show Thursday morning. Thursday morning, uh, th- <laughs> the first half of the Thursday show, uh, by talking about this freedom of information request that she did. She's big on these freedom of information requests. This is like all she does now on the show. And this one was showing that near the beginning of the pandemic, Teresa Tam was initially against masking, but then she changed her mind. Therefore, masks might they're obviously not effective, you know? can't True. <laughs> can't be that information is updated and people change their mind. Can't be that no, not at no. all. Uh, and that was the entire show. so moving on <laughs> uh, Now this is where it gets back to the immigration stuff. so and again, fitting with the American contents context, this is' it's very, it feels very weird uh, that they'll be doing this, but they hired a new reporter in America reporter in scare quotes here who is solely going to be covering the u.s mexican border his name is juan diaz and so far he's done one piece i watched it on youtube and it's just basically him walking around the border crossing somewhere in arizona and that's about it (laughs) And there's garbage. I mean you're gonna hear it in one of the, the clips that we play, Sheila mentioning the garbage. And it's just like Yeah, there's there's garbage. I, like, <laughs> I I don't know why that that I guess for them it's like a hypocrisy angle where they're like, Oh, look at the environmentalists who are pro-open borders and all the immigrants are leaving litter behind. Checkmate environmentalists. I, I have no clue, but like that that seems to be their main yeah. uh point of disagreement with what's happening i mean we we had already hit upon this but it's worth just hearing it from them the first thing right out of the gate that they touch on is this fear that somehow the people uh the drug cartels are like entering the southern border and then they're coming all the way up to canada <laughs> which uh given the demographics of what's crossing Roxham road i i don't believe this is a thing that is happening
3: you really did some great work from Eagle Pass. You spoke to Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, a U.S. Congresswoman who said that Joe Biden is the cartel's best friend. Um, and it's pretty clear there's I mean, there's you were encountering people crossing right there, right in front of you. No fear, just crossing. I, I mean, it, it's akin to something we see at the Canadian border. Um, And many of those people do ultimately end up at the Canadian border. And I think that's where the Canadian interest in this story is. But it's also a human interest story in that I think an open border, I'm not coining this phrase, I've heard somebody say it, an open border is an inhumane border. because.
1: I'm just going to pause it there because I forgot uh, where this gets to. And I wanted to add a bit of a content warning because they're going to get into some uh, stuff that has to do with sexual violence. And so I just wanted to flag that here, although it's not too descriptive or anything like this. It's just that that kind of talk bothers you. I I wanted to flag that before I play it. And then we talk about it. Uh, But, but just in terms of like, at least that highlights, she does mention the fact that they're, they're going from Mexico all the way up to Canada. And it's like, that just isn't happening. <laughs> yeah. There was also the bit, I guess she said, Juan Diaz met recently with Marjorie Taylor Greene, so that's fun.
2: Hmm. That's a good sign.
1: Yeah, which I guess that means uh, Rebel News is now talking with the uh, the QAnon congressperson, so hooray! Uh, but we now will get into the next piece, which is going to be about sexual violence having to do with uh, refugees entering the United States. It's so... We'll play the what they have to say, and then we will address it. And so, again, if these if this topic specifically bugs you, just flagging it here. We're going to be talking about some sexual violence. So, uh, viewer discretion, listener discretion. I guess you're you're uh, mostly listening.
3: It gives the cartels the market they need, and um, it's. You know again, I ask where the Sierra Club is, but where are the feminists when we see that women are being sold into sef- sex trafficking uh, by the cartels and being trafficked into the country, and you don't have a feminist anywhere to be seen advocating for these um underprivileged women and usually they can't shut up about that
2: well, yeah, and I mean, like I say, one of the biggest uh Crimes I've seen that happen with people crossing illegally is that a lot of the women, they get raped and actually these uh, human smugglers, what they tend to do on lots of occasions that I've gotten uh, photographs from from Border Patrol units that they show us that they tend to uh, find what they call rape trees, which is what the cartel, they uh, rape these women and then they hang their undergarments almost like a sick form of trophy for the sexual crimes that they did.
3: Oh, it just, it sickens me.
1: So that, the first thing I want to hit on before we, like, go, go in depth. Actually, I'll let you have a thought. You seem a little baffled, and then, uh. Oh, no,
2: I'm just, like, (laughs) what?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, the way they frame it is weird. I, I just want to say up front that there, there is, uh, sexual violence that occurs to women as they're uh, trying to enter the United States, uh, even on the trek, either by the people who are, uh, you know, in the process of helping them get across the, the border. And that's because these people are trying to do something illegal and in a vulnerable position. And then they're also... Uh, victims of sexual violence when they're put into the american system and processed there where american uh, border guards tend to sexually assault these women as well so it's like mm-hmm. that that part of it is left out of the equation altogether and it's focused on the the mexican side but like of course any sexual violence is bad and i don't want to play downplay any of it and uh you know, one one thing that they don't bring up which would solve this problem is, like, not making the border as illegal as they're making it and making these people cross in such a vulnerable position. Uh, it would put them at, like, in less risk, right? But, of course, yeah. that they never frame it that way. It's always just, like... Uh, like the the Mexican cartels, the evil evil like machismo Mexican men are just like violent predators out there to like hurt these women, uh, and and that's how it's framed, right? Mm-hmm. And th- this gets to the idea. This is I have, I had never heard of this claim about rape trees, and then that, that immediately made me go I I, I want to know what this is just to see if what they're saying. Has any validity whatsoever. Yeah. And as far as I could tell, the sort of, like, earliest claims about this come from uh, a blog written by a person named Mike Vanderbilt, who was the co-founder of the Three Percenters militia group, okay? So he was the first one who came up with these, uh, this rape tree, uh... Thing which was this idea that somehow these like evil Mexican cartel people would sexually assault uh, Mexican women coming across the border and then hang their garments in trees to signal some sort of like display of superiority or something like this. And of course, this was then used by a lot of militia groups, including the Minutemen, who are these people who sort of like deputize themselves to like patrol the border, even though it's like. It's fucked up and not done through the government, but they often talk about this idea of these rape trees to sort of, like, uh, promote this idea that, like, really, they're there to protect the Mexican women that need protecting from, like, the evil Mexican men who are, are doing this sexual violence towards Mexican women, which is kind of fucked up. And here's the thing is, there's there's no... Beyond that, like, I couldn't find any, like, conclusive evidence. There's tons of articles written about them, but there's no, like, evidence to suggest that this is, in fact, happening. And the only thing that comes close to being, like, sort of evidence is you have some border guards who have pictures of trees where, like, clothes are hanging in the trees. But just like they were complaining about garbage, like, she mentioned the Sierra Club in this clip about, like... There's garbage everywhere. So it's like there's garbage in the trees. How do you know the tre- like the garments in the trees are this like mythological hanging of the garments of your victims as opposed to just clothes being everywhere because it, it literally is scattered everywhere. Right?
2: Yeah. And like you know, if there's a river that you have to cross, you probably want to hang your clothes to dry, type of thing. Like Yes. I don't know, like, like, it would be one thing if they were just photos full of, like, you know, underwear on trees. But if there's other clothes involved, too, then it's just, like.
1: Well, that's why, like, like, like yeah, yeah, because the way the way Juan describes it here, he describes it as just undergarments. But, like, all the reporting that I've seen that it's just clothes so that it's like I, I it just gets to a point where, like. The sexual violence that does occur is bad, and that needs to be highlighted. But, like, we should not confuse that with the sort of, like, mythology that's being created by the right wing to, like, much in the same way that racists in America portray uh, black individuals, uh, black men specifically, as being hyper-masculine and violent. This is what they're trying to paint Mexican men who are coming across the border. And so it's like, it's just... It just sucks all around, you know, but it's like it's a way to like create panic in the white citizens of of southern country or southern states that like violent Mexican men are entering their country. And look, they're also like violent rapists as well. And that's what's being sold to them. It's it's like a mythology to to make them angry in a way that's like not justified,
2: you know. Hey. It's the same thing with like um in Europe where there's like the rape gangs or whatever, yeah. right? Where it's like, you know Oh, we have to keep them out so that we can have a safe country for our white nation white children or whatever, fourteen words bullshit. Like, you know, it's it's all this kind of like bullshit rhetoric that is just meant to drum up fear and then drive xenophobia like when it's based on nothing yep and, and that's not to yep.
1: mention, like, the other shit that's happened recently with the border, like the disappearing of the children uh, that's been happening on the American side or the forced sterilizations that were happening. Uh, like, there's so many things that the Americans themselves are doing. And this just completely ignores that and puts all the blame and anger on uh, the Mexican people who are fleeing uh, for various reasons. Yes,
2: yeah. On these very vulnerable people. Who will then become more vulnerable and therefore more subject to violence, sexual or non? Like, yep. yeah, it's just—it's it's atrocious, all just stupid, and <laughs> yeah, and horrific. Like, but I,
1: I really do not like this turn of events that they've hired someone to literally stake out the American border. You know, like, uh, kind of mm-hmm. fucked up, but.
2: Where are they getting all this money now? Like Right? They're growing because like, they yeah. seem on the decline. Like And then all of a sudden the pandemic and it's just like boom.
1: If I had to guess, and it's entirely speculation, I have no evidence, no one sue me, none of that shit. I feel if I had to guess, it's it's possible that because of their coverage of the the truckers, the the, the COVID lockdowns, all this stuff. That they've attracted a lot of large uh, donors, and uh, they that is where they're getting the money for this uh, because it it can't be from their like subscriptions and their views and stuff like this because like it, in terms of like looking at their views on YouTube and like on on like various metrics they haven't really grown that much. They they've grown a bit like I will give them a bit like especially with the the uh, convoy and stuff like this, but like not really. Not enough, I think, to uh, make them capable of affording, because they've hired like close to like twenty people uh, in the past yeah. year, and so it's like it they've got to be getting outside funds from large donors. I mean, even recently, Alex Jones got a million dollars in Bitcoin to pay for his like legal fees and shit. Did you hear about this? Some anonymous donor gave Alex Jones a million bucks
2: in Bitcoin. Oh my god!
1: Yeah. So like, I, I mean. We will never know what's going on in terms of like their funding, but like they've gotten large donors before, so it would not surprise me that they're getting outside funding. Mm-hmm. And so, any journalists out there wanna <laughs> wanna do some digging? I don't know, just a might be might be a cool story there if you got time. But we will end on this, so we get to the Friday episode, and Sheila's hosting again. I honestly don't even remember what she talked about in the first half because she's so boring and I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I think it had to do with COVID shit again because, of course. And the final interview is with Pastor Coates, who, again, that's the Grace Life Church uh, pastor who defied COVID lockdowns and is currently in court. And, yeah, he I guess he wrote a book recently about his trials and tribulations and, like, fighting the the lockdown measures. And so Sheila has an interview with him. And, again, nothing in this is at all worth talking about. I only wanted to hit on one thing, which has absolutely nothing to do with COVID whatsoever, but has more to do with some speculation we were having last week. And I don't know if this is going to become a bit or if, like... I you know it might just end here and we never it never comes up again on the show but i'm hoping we have like uh, a series here or a running bit about like what faith is Ezra going to become <laughs> so you know nothing conclusive with this piece but let's just say it adds to the story
3: have you yet uh, created a Ezra Levant tier of membership at Grace Life Church. For example, the Jewish but Curious membership. I remember we joked that he wanted to buy a membership. Do you have one of those yet?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, not yet. Um, you know, still in discussion on that and how we would be able to do that biblically. Um, but no, we we have not made that provision as yet, but we we welcome Ezra to our church anytime he's in the area. We We'd love to have him. Jewish, but curious. Interesting development. Jesus for Jesus. <laughs> He's checking out that Jesus figure and going, oh, hey, what's up over here? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, and this is coming from Sheila, so it's not necessarily coming from Ezra. But the fact that we were talking about it last episode, and then on this episode... We get the, he's Jewish but curious. I'm now, (laughs) now I'm like, maybe, maybe, I mean, we have noticed a development with Ezra over the time we've started the show, where he started using the imageries of like angels and Satan and stuff a lot more, and also talking about miracles a few, like a bit more. And so Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that he's becoming Christian, but like I have acknowledge that that's interesting and he's hired a lot of evangelicals uh, since the lockdowns uh, Adam Seuss for example so it, it is cu- I'm I'm curious about what's going on just as he's curious
2: about Christianity so we'll see yeah <laughs> it's coming <laughs> the end of days end of days
1: I do love that he had to add like the he needs to check with his Bible to see if it's cool <laughs>
2: Yeah, I need to find a way to clear it biblically. It's
1: like, can a Jewish person enter my church? Gotta, <laughs> gotta check, check the book here. He's flipping through the pages. <laughs>
2: but can they financially support us while not believing? Yeah,
1: in <laughs> that's exactly Christ, yeah.
2: the Savior and Messiah.
1: Oh, uh, yeah <laughs> Can I take this money while still getting into heaven? (laughs) Alright.
2: The answer is always no to that question. Uh,
1: What's the line? Something it's easier to get through the the eye of a needle?
2: Uh it's either easier for a camel to pass through an eye the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven.
1: Pastor Kos is just out back trying to shove a camel through a needle. (laughs)
2: Please, well that's God, what the hyperloop's for You just speed the camel <laughs> up enough
1: I mean everything Passes through an eye of a needle if it's just slush You know?
2: Exactly <laughs> uh, Alright <laughs> like You get the hyperloop And then you just speed things up And it just gets narrower and narrower Until it's the eye of a needle And it just the goop spraying out <laughs>
1: <sighs> I guess we gotta get those scientists working on the tube technology right away.
2: <laughs> yeah, we need a hyperloop now. <laughs> I originally wasn't going to have an article prepared for this episode, but um, the talk about refugees reminded me about this one. Uh, and it. we had a conversation before recording about, like, oh, man, like, you gave me a hint about what was coming in the episode so that I could have something prepared and I couldn't think of anything. But then as soon as we were talking about it, it was like, oh, I just read this. Nice. Um, so it's a Human Rights Watch um, piece about uh Canada's jailing of immigration detainees in uh, provincial jails uh that wasn't uh the contracts weren't public and had to be obtained through like uh, access to information requests um by a human rights watch and amnesty international and we just toss people into our prison system rather than like have people live yep. or like, you know, make sure that they're okay. Cause um, they're people. They're just people. Yeah. Um, one of the things that it mentions is in January, 2022, a person died in the border agency's custody at the immigration d- detention center in Laval, which is that one that's an Island like off the coast of Montreal. Uh, the agency has refused to release any information regarding the person's identity, why they were detained, and the circumstances of their death. And since to- 2000, at least 16 people have died in bo- in the border agency's custody, and most were held in a provincial jail at the time. So, like, there is no civilian oversight, there is no transparency in any of this, there is no anything. And, Yeah that's our immigration system um the other thing that i had to share was more fun <laughs> and light-hearted um there's this substack account that um will email you uh every part of bram stoker's dracula as it happens within the book So, Dracula is made up of letters, diaries, telegrams, newspaper clippings, and, like, everything like that. And all of them are, have, like, dates and generally times as well. So, this thing, Dracula Daily, will send you an email with, like, whatever is happening as it's happening in the book. So that you can read along in a, like, very long extended format for some reason. I find it delightful. Uh, they just sent out the first part today as we're recording, which is May 3rd, um, but you will still like be able to catch up if that is something that interests you. I find it very fun. Um, and it goes until, yeah, between May 3rd and November 10th, so it'll be a long time, but it's also like just like a few paragraphs at a time, so it's very digestible uh, if you ever... Wanted to read Dracula for some reason. It's a fun way to do it.
1: (laughs) Uh I will I will uh I will bum us out just a little bit. We should have ended on the high note, uh the fun note. But uh I just wanted to say one one thing one thing that we did or maybe didn't stress in today's episode, which is worth stressing, is uh the situation in Afghanistan. And the the one thing is like because of all the news, you know, the war in Ukraine. Uh, The the Roe v. Wade thing that just happened right now, like, I mean, it keeps getting sort of like pushed out of the sort of like spotlight, but uh, it's not good there. And uh, a lot of people are are starving. There's food shortages, stuff like this. And we have the capacity to take more refugees uh, after what our country, along with what America uh, did there. And so the least we could do is take uh, people who are in desperate situations into our country. And so the best thing you could do is uh, politely harass your well, politely or impolitely, depending on escalate, though, start polite the, <laughs> uh, with your MPs uh, to to take more refugees is the the least we could do uh, here, I guess. Uh and also, I, I'm sure we'll talk about the Roe v. Wade thing next week. But uh, but yes, anyone protesting, stay safe, and uh, we love you. And on that note, Keep fighting. Yeah, <laughs> keep fighting. I mean, it's 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 never ending. My God, but uh, but yeah, uh, it's 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 bad. And so yes, I know a lot of people are going out there today. There's probably going to be a lot of things this weekend in America. So yes, stay safe, and uh, you know, uh, be impolite. I think this calls for being impolite. So go go and be impolite. Mm-hmm. and if you support and enjoy what you've heard so far please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news if you want to stay informed about what we're doing you can also find us on twitter at imperial news the Z. we have discord set up we do twitch streams every monday wednesday and friday at 8pm eastern standard time you can find videos on our youtube channel and you can find all the links to our show notes in this uh, episode lastly you can email us any questions at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com special thanks to my friend mason tickle for the transition beats you can find his work at masontickle.com. Thank you for listening, and all borders in existence, you canceled. Albumbia,
0: Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.
1: I mean, we're even going to cancel the borders around Albumbia, don't get
2: <laughs> <laughs> Albumbia is a concept, <laughs> not a territory. It's a dream to strive towards. <laughs>
1: uh <sighs>